yep. I've completely blanked on that. Yeah. I've okay. had coronavirus all week, so I've been dying. Oh, damn, um, really? Uh, yeah, just flu symptoms, something. So, oh, dude, that is really annoying. I'm not going to be. Yeah, it's gone out of my head. I I'll, just fucked up the whole episode, my bad. I'll, I'll shove the clip in as, as soon as I look at <laughs> it. But now we can't talk it. about it now, so. Um, but yeah, it led me to believe that, like, you and Billy must have lost contact for a while, especially when he moved to the West Coast. And then there was just all this, because these were, when he was telling the stories on the podcast, they were the kind of stories that you would, if you came off tour and you were with your friends, it would be the first thing you tell them. Like, I'm sure it may, may even have been like the chocolate story, like the one where he went on tour and only get paid in chocolate. And I'm sure afterwards <laughs> at the end, you were like, wow, I did not know that. But then there's other, there was one about Valo. That was it. I asked you about, um, Billy getting offered to be on Valo and they ended okay. up giving his spot to Alex Brosco instead. Oh, okay. On on the podcast, you made it look like you'd never heard that story. But when I caught direct, I didn't. That was you, the first time I heard it. Um, you liar. I'm to you think absolute exactly. liar. Because you told me that Billy was the one that got you on Valo. Yeah. So what, what was the what was the scenario then? I don't get what's going on here. Um, like, <laughs> like basically, Billy got offered a slot on Valo when it first started, uh-huh. and then he couldn't ride the skates or something, or didn't get on the yeah. skates and then he basically gave his position to you but then the kind of story was that brosco got it instead or something all right so i don't i don't think you're, he, he gave the skates to you is that not what happened okay so, so i don't think you're talking about the i don't think you have the whole story right now you did when you came to me with it i think right. this part's maybe missing but i think John wanted Billy to ride for Valo. He gave him a pair of the hemp's before the hemp's were out. It was just the TV ones were out at the time. So it was like a prototype skate or something like that. He gave Billy the skates and I think he couldn't pay Billy as much as USD offered to pay him at the time. So he went to USD instead and and passed up. But he was like, hey, my buddy Austin, who you no one even knows who the hell he is, like likes the skates. Like, would you want him to ride for like flow or something like that? And then that's how I started writing for Valo. Billy introduced me to him for that, but I, I don't know. And then I guess that's what he said that Alex went on after him. I'm sure he I, I said don't... that on the podcast, but then you told me a different story on on our podcast. Yeah, there's some there's a piece missing there because I knew exactly when I was talking to you about it what was going on, and I this, there has to be something missing from this story that we can't piece together right now. Right, but um, but yeah, that happened like quite a lot like the first year, and I was like, all right, I thought these guys were really tight, but then obviously you move to different parts of the country and you're both having experiences. Yeah. So it, it was just quite interesting the amount of times that Billy would just tell a little tidbit from, especially when someone from USD came on or someone from Mind Game came on and would share a story and then he'd be like, oh, that happened to me as well. And you'd be like, whoa, what, really? <laughs> I, like I said, I'm just as surprised by by it as you are. I I, I only know what, it, what he tells me or what anybody tells me. So if something some story crazy story happened that i don't know about and he just chose not to tell me for whatever reason i don't know i don't know what the answer is for that right okay oh all right i'll let i'll let you off easy on that one yeah, i wish th- i had a better answer for you for that one <laughs> right um another thing i noticed is as new yorkers you guys always claim that you're like big shit talkers right and that you roast each other and bust each other's balls like you you guys literally mention that all the time uh-huh what I've noticed is you never once do it on the podcast. Like even even with people that are your friends, people that you guys have known and skated with for decades, you ne- you guys never give anyone any shit ever. <laughs> I think I think it's more of like a, as you were growing up and your kids just fucking around type of shit that like you become like a shit talker and you call people out for certain things. Uh, 
I don't know. Are you talking about like just, we have other New Yorkers on the show? Yeah, or even just between you and Billy. Like you and Billy don't ever roast each other on the podcast about anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't. 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 I don't I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't give you an answer for that one either. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty we, sure if New you York, two are at the session together, there's still there's still shit talking taking place. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the 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 vibe is different at, at the session rather than you know on the podcast. But definitely growing up as kids, you know, you're fucking big shit talkers, and you you pick on people, and you you might say things to people to get them to do something different or to push them or something like that. So that definitely happens. And that's probably largely what we're talking about with that. But I, I just think for now, we're just a little older, more mature. We're not like just poking at each other like we were when we were younger. Okay. The, the, the closest I think I've heard you specifically come to like, like making fun of anyone was when you said you went to film with the Kelsos again after like quite a long break of not hanging out with them and you were just a bit disturbed by how close Sean was getting with the fisher and you're like man get that like that's like that's literally right on me like get get that that's away. shit talking to you that I said that's the closest like oh I feel like for having a reputation for being like tough talking east coast guys you you, you actually come across as like disturbingly nice on the podcast <laughs> well that's the thing people and my girlfriend who's from new jersey still doesn't understand this new yorkers are such nice people did you hear that <laughs> new yorkers are such nice people yes shut up yes we come off as assholes sometimes yes we're assholes to each other but new yorkers are genu- generally nice people I like how so, she's peeking her head through the side <laughs> also wait a minute isn't isn't New Jersey renowned for having like equally asshole-ish behavior? No. <laughs> he said, "Isn't Jersey known for having equally asshole-ish behavior?" No. <laughs> New York sucks. Get out of here. Close the door, Get please. Out of here. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Um, uh, yeah, no. The New Yorkers have a reputation for that, and I think a lot of people visit New York experience that too. It's kind of like if you need direction somewhere and you ask somebody on the street, like a New Yorker will happily help you out and give you directions or point in the right direction. But then you step on their fucking shoes and like, get the fuck out of my face. I'm going to smack you or something like that. You know? So it's like, it's just a different vibe. You know, it depends on the situation. Yeah. We're genuinely nice people though. I mean, I've only ever been once I was 15. So it was a, it was a very different time. It was the late nineties, late night. Yeah. Late nineties. So it was a very, very different time in New York. Yeah. And you're, angle perspective on that was probably a little different back then as well as a 15 year old oh you definitely i was a child i was like this yeah. is the busiest place on earth this <laughs> is this is equally exciting and terrifying uh and the same amount yeah what did you come to new york for at 15 uh my dad worked in air traffic control so we used to get free standby flights so basically if there's if there's enough seats in the plane they let you on if there's not mm-hmm. you don't get on the flight and we managed to get a flight to New York out of it and was there for, weren't there for long, for like five or six days, but went to Riverside Skate Park. Oh, really? Um, went to the bandstand that was in Hoax. The Central what? Park? Yeah, the one that they used to like dance in front of. Yeah, yeah. With the benches, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Went there and I was like, wow, Rollinson misty flipped off this, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, where else? Went to the skates, the big skate shop. The Blades? Big, Blades, that was what Blades, it was called. yeah. And then mm-hmm. went to another tiny skate shop that was in a basement. 
I don't know that one. I don't. And, and it was pre-internet as well. So I don't really know how my parents figured this stuff out. But how did we figure out anything before the internet? Um, <laughs> it's crazy, right? You ever like, you ever like whenever I drive anywhere, I turn on SatNav or put like my phone on to like, even even if it's like going to my sister's house, I'll be like, all right, fastest route home. And then I'm like, yeah, how, how did we do this before? I do it all. I do it all the time too, because you never know this on your, even if it's like a 10 minute drive, it could be an accident right there. The fast way to avoid that, you know, yeah, I, I always do the same thing. There could be a diversion that could end up screwing you over. That's it as well. Yeah. Like you'll see a diversion. You're like, right, I'll just, I'll just tell the SatNav and then the mm -hmm. SatNav. Otherwise, you're just lost. <laughs> yeah. I remember one of the first road trips I ever took, driving from Miami to Toronto uh, with my buddy, Jay Greendike. We were, it was 2004, 2005 or something like that. So technology was out then, but I was, I don't know, 15, 16. He was like 17, 18 or something like that. So we didn't have, there was no iPhones. There was no Apple Maps, Google Maps, nothing like that. So I remember we had the Atlas in the car and we were like, okay, we're going from Miami to Atlanta. Uh, we got to look at the map and like find the roads that connect each other because there was no, we didn't have MapQuest or anything or smartphones back then. And just looking at the map, like, oh, we got to make this turn. And like, I couldn't imagine doing that nowadays. No way. Yeah. Like how I've never been in a situation where I've ran out of petrol in the car and just been <laughs> stranded. But I, thinking back on it, I, I don't know how that never happened, how we just never <laughs> got so yeah. lost that. Yeah. Wild. Dude, um, that, happened, that happened to us on the drive from, we were doing... So bitter, there was bitter cold showdown, and then in the summer they had Steel Valley meltdown, and it only lasts like a year or two or something like that. But so it was in the summertime. We were driving. It was like the B and E guys. It was like me, Billy, uh, Chris, Courtney, Franco Camayo. I don't remember who else, but we were in Franco's car, and his gauges, all the gauges on his dashboard didn't work. So he had like we just trusted Franco. He was like always like, I know when she's thirsty, boys. Don't worry, I know when she's thirsty. <laughs> and then of course. We'd run out of gas, like in the middle of nowhere in like Ohio or Pennsylvania. There's nothing around us. It's like a hundred degrees outside, stuck on the side of the road. And I remember like Billy and Courtney just put the skates on. They skated into town. They skated like however, 10, 15 miles into town to get like a gallon of gas to fill, like to fill uh, uh, the tank up. So yeah, that's just, I can't believe you never ran out of gas before. <laughs> yeah. Although Scotland's a pretty small, like you can literally drive from one, like the East coast of Scotland to the West coast of Scotland, like two hours uh super small like <laughs> yeah like scotland if scotland was in america it'd be the smallest state in america in fact it would, <laughs> it would probably it would probably fit inside the smallest state of america no i think rhode island's the smallest state in america it's like probably like a half hour to drive across rhode island i think it's tiny okay that that's like the only one though probably right yeah yeah that makes sense um getting back to jump street you guys have also achieved quite a forgot to ask when your girlfriend was there how's her leg oh yeah thank you uh it's getting better she just she's started walking, walking recently walking, yeah. Right? yeah she just uh, she's not supposed to be don't tell the doctor <laughs> but um she's like just she's ready to go she's like i gotta get back again i gotta like be walking i gotta skate i gotta do whatever so she's she's walking again it's getting better she still has like months and months to recover because she has so much metal in her leg but physical therapy is helping and hopefully she'll be back skating before the winter starts so that we can scale a little more before the cold starts to get here, you know? Cause she's a fitness nut as well. Right. So that must be driving her crazy. Yeah. So she's always like doing something, which yeah. is super hard for her now. Cause she can't do any of that. So yeah, but she can't go to the gym. She can't skate. Um, she still comes to the sessions though. So she's still like involved a little bit. So 
Um, but she'll be back soon. Yes, she's definitely so she's ahead of schedule. Being injured one of the session. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I like doing that too. When I broke my ribs last year, I was still going to as many sessions as I could just to like be there. You know, like I had the time to do it, so why not? I would just go and just sit there and talk shit because that's what we do, right? <laughs> But not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. <laughs> All right, I, I'll make a note now. I'll do more shit talking on the podcast yeah, for you. Just like mental note. Um, okay. Even with the Kelsos, that's what I was quite surprised by. Like Kelsos, Philly guys, they even mentioned it at one point that they felt like, I'm sure Colin was the first time Sean and Colin were on. Colin said that he didn't feel it was like socially acceptable to like do stuff like that anymore, or at least do it in like public, on a public forum, because you you didn't know the kind of backlash you would get from just like harmless, like jabes basically. Yeah, I see that too, because the way that we talk to each other is not how everyone else talks to each other. And they might take some sort of offense to that. And this day and age, everybody takes offense to everything. So you do have to be a little careful about what you say, but um, I'm not worried about any of that. Cause I don't think I would say anything too offensive anyway, you know? But um, I can see how guests and other people would say the same, though. People got to be super cautious because everyone gets canceled for everything. This is true. I'm treading a very thin line. But I was yeah. about to say, you better watch your mouth, Dave. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just getting canceled by all the skate companies, so it's fine. You can't, you can't, you can't miss advertising money that you've never had in the first place. By your, by your blade shade? Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I don't even think it's that. I think it's quite tame in comparison to what I, I, I could say. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh god you made me totally lose my train of thought there yeah so in in addition to obviously having the guests it being successful you guys have also done like you know good things as well you've raised you've raised money you've got skate you got skates to was it nigeria or ghana or one of we sent it to a few places but yeah nigeria is one of the places like so with stuff like that like what is like the kind of proudest achievement of jump street in that respect because you guys i feel like and just in addition to providing entertainment you've also done good for the community as well i like to think that we have in some some way or another yeah we did the donate and skate it was a lot we didn't do it we never done anything like that before we didn't even know what it took takes to ship skates all over the world like that um it was a lot more work than we thought but equally we were overwhelmed by the amount of support we've had by everybody we me and billy each had because billy did one a donating skate in california and long beach where he lived and i did one in new york and i got i literally my car there was no room for anything else in my car because i had so much gear so many skates every seat in my car to the roof was filled my trunk was completely filled i live on the second floor in an apartment so like i had to like run like 20 trips up and down to like bring all these skates up and I hit a billion. I'm like, I have so much shit. He's like, me too. We have like way too much stuff. Yeah. Like 70 pairs of skates. I had like 60, 70 pairs of skates. So it was, it was nice to see everyone come together for that. It's, it's good to know that we're all still here supporting each other. Um, I feel like it's kind of always been like that, but you see it now more often because a lot of people are doing their part to do better for the community and help out less fortunate people. Um, as far as well as the donations like we had, like so, like a little over four grand in donations to ship everything across the world, which seems like a lot of money, but we learned that it's not a lot of money at all. It costs so much money to send skates to Africa, uh, Argentina, Philippines, wherever, like all these yeah. countries is so much tax and it's so expensive for the cheapest shipping ever, like thousands of dollars to ship like a handful of skates. So um, with everyone's help, we were able to, you know, to do that and, and, 
bring skates and wheels to less fortunate people in other countries. Um, we take it for granted, you know, we're able to call up the skate shop in a couple of days, get skates. If you want something on like whatever local skate shop, you could skate over there, walk over there for some people. Um, a lot of people don't have that. So we just wanted to do a part to help that. We haven't done one since because like I said, it is a lot of work and we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because we came out of pocket a lot of money for that. So we have to kind of like team up with somebody to figure out a better way to, to manage that and get it done. Um, were you asking what like the biggest achievement was for us or what, what you were like, wow, with that, that, that was really something like we should be proud of ourselves for that. Um, I mean, that is definitely one of the highlights for me. I just think also, I'm glad that we could provide the entertainment. Like when we go to winter clash and we do them in person and that little room, you know, that little room upstairs, like it's packed with people where there's no people like staying on top of each other's shoulders to like watch a podcast live in person. Like I'm glad I'm happy to see that that many people are entertained and we're able to help provide stories from, from all these skaters and, you know, people want to hear from these skaters and they don't necessarily have a platform. They kind of do have a platform, but they're not necessarily putting themselves out there as they would on a podcast like this. So I'm just glad that we could do some sort of service where this is relatively new, not just our sport, but just in general podcasting, you know? Um, so I'm glad that we're able to help and be a part of that in some way to bring this new style of media to skating. Definitely. And we, we touched upon this before actually, cause I obviously did the video where I like guessed you know, what, what like various content creators were making each month. Oh Billy, yeah, yeah. Billy roasted me in the Tim Franken episode. Actually, I forgot about that. Billy was like, I'm surprised he did that. Honestly, <laughs> David, David says we're making three grand a month or something. I was like, I never said that. I said, I said there was the potential. I was like, you gave like the range, right? Yeah. Like I was you like, be making it, up to this like, much. I was like, it was a rate at no point. Did I say you were making that? I don't know. I don't know what's in your account. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool now that we, are able to do something that's sustainable and a lot of it is crowdsourced but still like we're able to finally have something in skating that is sustainable like for years after being like the filmer guy or whatever or trying to get like pro skate or pro frame pro wheel whatever it is like it's so hard to come into the industry and be like yeah i'm going to be able to like do something and somehow make it sustainable and and make money or maybe even make a living out of it. Like that doesn't really happen with rollerblading. It's super rare that people like John go on and start a brand like them skates and they're able to make it their full-time job. Like there's been so many wheel companies and frame companies that come and gone over the years and clothing companies, you know, people just trying to be involved, but somehow make it lucrative and sustainable. When we came up with the idea to do a podcast, I was like, at first it didn't really interest me, but then I, I sat on and I thought about it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, a way to like make it happen and it'll be sustainable. And it's awesome to see that. It's awesome to know that with the way that technology has gone these days, there's so many ways for skaters to make money. It's all out there. People just got to go and grab it. You got to be a go-getter to get it. And I, I said this on the show plenty of times too, like skaters, individual skaters should have like their own Patreon pages and stuff because you can't rely. If you're like a teenager trying to be pro, sure. You could like work up the ranks, float am to pro, get a pro boot, but can you really live on like whatever this company's paying you a thousand dollars a month, maybe something like that? Like it's not sustainable, but you could collab with other brands and build your social media following, have a Patreon page, give out 
content to your fans and you know they could support you like that so you could make so much money these days that you weren't able to do when i was trying to become a pro or like anyone else beforehand yep it's, it is quite surprising how underutilized it is and i think it is because there is yes. that stigma that it's not it's not cool uh, yeah i don't understand that either maybe like 15 year old austin would have said the same thing too you know but it's it's not it's like the older i got the more i learned about like business and own, running your own company and stuff like that like just make shit happen no one's th there is no shame in it at all because like say you do start a patreon you put out exclusive content like i i'm a patron a patron of michael vitzman and he puts out content content pretty often like little solo sessions of himself i'm a fan of his skating i want to like see more of his stuff and if that's where i need to go to see it i'm going to support that it's seems pretty like plain and simple to me. I, I, not everybody thinks the way I do, you know, but um, yep. it just makes more sense that like if a lot of the top pros did that, they could build a big fan base and, you know, have a place to promote themselves more even, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because it's like I interviewed Pat Ritter and obviously he got, I don't know what it was, like 30K or whatever for the skate. And everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's great. Like $30,000, that's incredible. But Pat was the first to admit, he's like, I don't get a salary. Yeah, that that's he's like, and I'm in debt. He's like, you know, all the all the previous trips to America. He's like, I paid for them. He's mm -hmm. like, so he's like, it's great. You know, he's getting the money. And that's brilliant. But the fact is, he's you know, he's paying off debt. Yeah, and and I like that's huge. By the way, like just being able to give proper salary for skates is huge. From moving from one to two dollars a skate to twenty to thirty dollars a skate is massive. Like. The fact that any skater could get a check for 30 grand now for having a, a skate with their name on it is huge yeah but he's completely well, it is, right it is, it is also shameful that a skate company ever thought it was acceptable to only pay two dollars of course and that's what people have fought for for many years but now that a lot of things are more skater owned we're able to finally do this but like pat was saying it's it's a nice like gift but it's not sustainable still yeah that means if you get a pro skate, say there's a team that has like five, six, seven people on it, and you're giving everybody a pro skate, Pat gets a pro skate in 2022, but he might not get another pro skate until 2025 because all these other people need pro skates as well. So 30 grand is nice, but it's 30 grand for like the next four years, three, four yeah. years, which is like nothing, you know? So a salary is nice to have, just to have constant income coming in. Um, it's kind of like when you win the lotto, do you want the million dollars up front and pay taxes later? Or you want the tax taken out now? So it doesn't bite you in the ass later on. It's, uh, it's like one of those situations, but when, when we get to the point where somebody can announce, like we have salaries for our riders. Now we have $5 royalties, but we have, you know, $30,000 a year salaries, 40,000, whatever it is, you know, it's better than nothing. Um, that is like another, the next big step I think that we need to make to keep pros, to keep longevity in, in the pros in our sport, I think. Definitely. Yeah. But the only way we're going to get that is if we stop marketing to ourselves and start marketing to other people. It yeah. It feels like even to this day, almost all brands in skating are only really competing for the skating audience we're not trying to make the skating audience bigger which seems like a fundamental flaw like if you're not trying try and increase the customer base don't try and just sell to that existing customer base over and over and over again because eventually 
they're going to die out like they did before and they're not going to be replaced. Yeah. So some, somebody might have an answer to that. <laughs> I, I, I don't have an answer. I don't know who else doesn't have an answer to that. We need like real marketing geniuses to, to help out with this or just some big connections randomly. Um, I guess like what John's doing with brain dead and stuff like that, like a little more wider outside audience, but yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's why if I was, if 17 year old Austin was living in 2022, my ass would be on Patreon, on YouTube, on Instagram, like every day trying to get connections with brands doing exactly what I'm doing with jump street. But you know, for myself, just trying to be a pro skater and trying to sustain myself being a pro as long as possible, because you could easily make more money from Patreon than you can from a job when you're a teenager, you know, and then you can, if you're, I, if, I, you're if you're an attractive female teenager, the sky's the limit. Um, when you're 17, Actually, honestly, how big of a teenager? That's grim. Um, that <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's so dark. Yeah, you're, you're, about get, you're about to get canceled, Dave. If you're an attractive <laughs> young woman, you could. Do it. But yeah, do, I, I, I don't really. To be honest, Patreon's still a bit of a mystery to me. I don't really know about like all the people making millions on it. The, the, have you ever like looked into it? There's obviously it's like a diamond in a rough type of situation. It's like the people who can make livings off YouTube and stuff. But there's accounts making six figures a month a month on patreon like okay. it's crazy look look it up like just look up like the some of the top people on patreon and see what they even offer like it's it's crazy that the the possibilities are endless on patreon it's just a matter of obviously building it up but yeah when you're like a teenager trying to be a pro skater honestly how much could you be making from work a year like twenty thousand dollars a year or something like that like you, you don't have like a career at that point yeah yeah if you're lucky exactly you don't have a career at that point i was making ten dollars an hour or something like that at that point like i would have loved to have been able to but make yeah, when like I, when i was in my 20s i was making like 17 grand a year like i was yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm, I'm being like over ambitious i'm using inflation now i'm trying to think about like inflation yeah. what kids we're making nowadays compared to like when we were younger but still like to make a thousand dollars a month on patreon to be able to pay for your plane tickets to travel not having to rely on a company the sponsor could drop you next week and then what are you going to do yeah oh, you can't do anything you can't go to the next uh, event can't go to winter clash can't go to blading cup whatever but if you have people supporting you you could buy these tickets yourself and have money to invest in making uh, buying a new camera so you can make better videos for people and you know this and that and collaborate with brands and have them uh have affiliate links with other brands and promote stuff that way and make money on the side doing that so there's so many ways that pros can be doing that without necessarily relying on the rollerblading industry to give them that money because there's yeah. not much to come from it. Having the simple AB solution of, oh yeah, my sponsor should just provide it for me. just seems like a little bit too simplistic and a little bit naive. It just... That was the problem for so many years for us. So now there are so many options out there and I always have been encouraging people to do this and Michael Vitzman does it. I know Joe Zank does it, I think too. Yeah. Um, Bobby made one, Bobby Spazov made one, but I think he took it down because he stopped. Yeah. He, he wasn't like really doing it. Cause I remember I said like, I have like 20 bucks a month for whoever like does it. And Bobby was like one of the first people to do it. But I think after a few months, he took it down. Um, I'm not saying just Patreon. There's other ways to make money too, but without relying on skate companies to provide for you and your sponsors, because we're not at that level yet. And it's easy for someone to get washed out that way and not be able to be a pro for more than a handful of years, which is sad because in other sports, people are pros for 
a decade, you know, 15 years, something like that. So that's what we want to see more of as well. Definitely. How, so obviously you guys have got, you've got advertising with Rollerblade and you've had a bunch of companies over the years that have got involved for, you know, some short stints, some longer. You've obviously got the super chats, which, you know, some of them look as if they rack up hundreds of dollars in certain episodes. I imagine those are obviously rare, but like, it's mm-hmm. like there's ones that definitely, then you've got the Patreon, you've got, uh, like merch, merch and stuff like that. And I'm assuming and the supplements too, we do have supplements, now. supplements and then YouTube stuff. So like how, how sustainable is jump street at the it, present moment? It's still just like, a side thing for for both of us it's like obviously we have to split the money between the two of us too so it's not like i mean it's 50 percent already off the bat but um it's definitely more money than any of us was, was ever making as pro skaters i mean billy was more of a pro than i was but it was more i'm pretty sure he's made more money off jump street than being a pro skater which is crazy to think about um it definitely was for me because i only got checks from i only got checks for a short amount of time in skating um it needs to still grow to like an insane level. Like I, I think we won't, we wouldn't be able to have like a fully sustainable podcast until we get to like hundreds of thousands of subscribers and all this crazy shit. And then when we're able to, you know, when we're able to like do a live, a live podcast and have like a couple thousand people watching at the same time, like those are numbers that would be more sustainable where we could actually somewhat consider making a living off it. But I mean, it's it's hard to judge because all that stuff monetization rates change all the time as well. And and YouTube, I don't know how it's crazy for anybody who thinks that like people make money off YouTube, you know, it as well. Like how much do you make of monetization a month off YouTube? Like pennies? (laughs) Like, like, um, I think I make right on a very, very, very good month, 70 pounds a month. Yeah. A month. And that's, that's actually good. That's better than I thought. But that's like, that's say for example that would be like if that this almost never happens i'm lucky if i can put out like a video a fortnight or every three weeks just because obviously i have a job i have a child yeah, i have exactly. other responsibilities but if it happens like to be a i don't know an easy month at work or whatever and i can just bash out like three or four and they get i don't know between five and ten thousand views then i can get like 70 yeah 70 pounds a month but 70 pounds mm-hmm. a month isn't that's not <laughs> That's not a cheap dinner. Thing. That's not, that's not, you know, it's dinner for one it's, night. <laughs> it's nice. And it's, you know, it's a little bit extra, like, sp- or if I break something, cause I seem to have a habit of doing that, <laughs> it, re- it replaces that fairly quickly, but it doesn't allow you to, the whole goal was to make money to do bigger projects, like, you know, yeah, exactly. a live event or, you know, stuff like that, but that's just not reached that level yet. And that's what, when, I, when I first started jump street too, when we first started, I was like, we, we, we spent like, 1500 or something like that on like the equipment that we needed to get it done. Cause we knew we wanted to do it live. And it obviously you needed like more equipment, at least at the time to do it live. And we put up the money for, it, and I was just like, if we make the money back for this somehow, I'm happy with it. Cause uh, you don't expect to do anything from, from skating. Like they're not expecting to make a ton of money. I never was. Uh, yeah. We all do this because we love it. We, no one's doing it here to make money. We're all doing it here because we love it. If we were trying to make money, we wouldn't be doing this in the first place. We know better than that by now. So I, I, in the beginning, I was just like, as long as we get our microphones paid for and the cables that we needed, as long as that's paid for, I'm happy. So it's well exceeded uh, uh, my expectation, at least in that sense. 
does it cover the cost of like going to trips to do live events when you do like the Blade Havasu or the Blade Cup or Winter Clash or stuff like that? Or because I know that Yo-Yo is really good with stuff like that and helps out people that go to the events and like yeah he's the only one who really does that as far as i know anyway um yeah he does help out it doesn't cover our full ticket because we're coming from the states obviously but yeah it definitely helps out with that um but yeah the patreon shit definitely helps out even it's been a while since we had guests in person it's not too common these days but like we were paying for people's ubers to get to my place if people are visiting because obviously they don't live here they don't have a car and stuff like that or we were paying for people's ubers we still do that when we go to like um blading cup and we do episodes out of Billy's house. Like we're paying for people to go back and forth from blading cup, Santa Ana to long beach back and forth. Like, so mo- the money definitely does help with stuff like that. It's still like, we pay for like annual expenses for like our live streaming software and stuff. And we need to upgrade two of my, two of our microphones broke. <laughs> it happens over time. So like we still need to upgrade stuff like that. So we do put money back into the podcast as much as possible. It's not like it just goes in our pocket and we're just like, you know, going having steak dinners every weekend or something like that you know yeah. it's that definitely not like that at all um but yeah all, all that money goes to a good place and keeps us motivated and, and keep going for as long as we can hopefully well now that billy started mesmer you can start doing you know like companies do insider trading and basically help each other out and then like boost their you know essentially boost their profits you guys can start like hustling insider trading by uh pushing mesmer and mesmer pushing jump street and vice versa <laughs> That's up to him. It's his business. It's not mine. So whatever he wants to do with that. Just go fill Wolf of Wall Street. Just increase the stock options. Increase the stock <laughs> options. Yeah. That's how we're going to take over the whole industry like that. Yeah. That's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a slow and steady, casual casual uh, movements behind the scenes. Um, so what does is, what is the future hold for Jump Street? Like you guys have obviously branched out and started doing, you know, a lot of Patreon content, a lot of non-podcast content. Like, you know, like you've started, which... I've always thought you should do like delving into the incredible history that both you and Billy and like, I'm assuming have, have you kept the tapes from back in the day and stuff like that? Like if no, I'm like, so pissed I didn't, but yeah, I don't. But even still like your, your accomplishments alone are stuff that you can celebrate. Like things like Billy doing the staples gap, things that like you doing the, that iconic true topsoil and truth mm-hmm. to and stuff like that. Franco Camayo's gap to the rail. Like there's there's all that kind of local history you've got. God, you could even do like a section where you guys just go around iconic New York skate spots and talk about the stuff you've witnessed there and then show it from like the videos it's been in. I've just given you an idea. I don't know why I did that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna write this down, hang on. But like stuff like that, like you guys have got such a kind of like wealth of history to draw on just from your personal experiences that there's there's so much stuff you could make, but of have you guys talked about like any other future things you want to work on? Yeah, we have a long list of ideas of st- stuff similar to that as well. And it's always easier to get the content when we're together, which it's harder now because obviously he's on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. When he is out in, you know, when he is in New York, we take full advantage of it as much as we can. He usually has a busy schedule because he's trying to fit so much within the short time that he's here. But we're always trying to film stuff like that. Same thing when I'm out in California for Blading Cup, we try to squeeze as many days we can to, to film whatever um as uh, you just asking like what other content are we trying to create or like just like what, plans in general for the future for jump street as a whole uh i don't know if we have like an actual like goal or anything like that to do i just want to be able and, to and stop looking at the whiteboard on the wall behind like behind the <laughs> screen i saw you just glance at it there no nah, we we <laughs> 
when we started the show, all right. So when we started the show, a big thing, at least I could talk from my perspective of it. A big thing was like, there is so much history in our sport. So many, there's been so many years of top pros who didn't have a platform like this to speak at the time when they were big and they were a pro. So it'd be nice to give these people an opportunity to tell these stories, like, like Brian Shima going through the mind game video, like, like Ryan Jacklone or whatever it is. Um, I, we just looked at so much history and, and like you're saying, like go to like iconic New York spots and talk about the history of what's been done there. And it's been fun doing all that. And I still enjoy doing that as well. But the more recently, I've been more excited about looking into the future and the current state of skating and the people who deserve it now more than ever, because we're trying to build the sport and you're not going to always build it by looking in the past. It is fun to see once in a while, but it's not, for me personally, it's not like my main focus as much as it was when we first started Jump Street. I like having all these new people on the show. Um, I, I like having up and comers to talk about it. And it builds our youth, the youth in our audience as well, which we could connect since obviously you probably the same way, like that our, our main audience is probably like 25 to like 40, you know, it's when really, it should... it's, it's really depressing. Yeah. Every time I look at that, I'm like, <laughs> everyone that watches mine is over 30. This is fucked. <laughs> exactly. But it should be, you know, that that's fine too. Like, you know, that's fine having that, but like, let's build up the 15 to 25 demographic a little bit, yeah. you know? And I think that's going to happen by us talking with a lot of more younger people, up and comer skaters, people that they can relate to a little more. Um, so that's kind of where I want to set a little bit more of my focus on. Um, so the history and stuff still is good, but I just want to look forward as much as I can. I'm excited to see what skating has in the future. Um, I just want to be a part of that as much as I can, even though I am quote, like an older guy nowadays, but I still want to be involved as much as possible and help grow that youth in the newer, the newer demographic as much as possible, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you still need to finish off the hoax series, though, because if you don't get Brian Smith on, we tried. We, <laughs> I mean, he. Oh my! He's God. a busy man. He's a busy like, man. Had the most ridiculous success story known to man. He's a busy man, which makes perfect sense when you know what he does now and exactly what you're talking about. He has the most ridiculous success story. He's. We we tried it a few times. We almost had him in person one time at Blaney Cup, and then it like fell through like a few days before or something like that. But we'll get him on eventually. And then we have Evan Stone also to talk to, who is also down for the show. And they're all down for like a hoax reunion type of thing, which I'm still, I'd be so excited for that just as much as anything else. So we still have things to focus on too. But right. hell yeah, Brian, Brian Smith, that episode, if we don't have him for like at least three hours, there's no reason to have him on. You know, he's probably got so much shit to like, talk about. I, I was watching a TV show like a few months ago. Uh, what was it called? The Morning Show or something like that. And then Brian Smith just randomly appears as a character on it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing on a Netflix TV show? Like right? a new show? Yeah. It was, it's, it's, <laughs> with, it's with Jennifer Aniston again. Really? Again? Yeah. What are like, they? Oh, I know, I know they're friends now. Yeah. He's he's in, in the TV show. He's Jennifer Aniston's like personal photographer. <laughs> That's so crazy how that, how that yeah. happened. And he, then about a month I know later, they're friends. So I'm sure he has some connection yeah. still with what she's doing. And she's Jennifer um, Aniston. So. And then about a month later, I saw a Brandon Boyd interview. Do you know, like Brandon Boyd from Incubus? No, no. Like, like they were like really big in the late nineties. Like, I know, I know Incubus. I don't know who Brandon well, Boyd is. Yeah, like I was a huge fan of them, and I was like, oh, Brandon Boyd interview. I'll watch that. 
turn it on, who's sitting next to him? Brian Smith. <laughs> and they're For like, what? well, they're interviewing Brian Smith because it was basically like a creatives forum thing. And Brandon Boyd gives this elaborate story of how Brian Smith was like the first photographer that ever showed interest in their band and yada, yada, yada. Da, 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 wow. Da. That's him. That's he's that guy always in the right place at the right time. Well, that was the funny part. Brian turned around and goes, was any of that true? And Brandon's like, no, nah, I just made that up because I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> Dude, we but definitely need him on. He's like he one of the top the people on our for head their, like Grammy award winning, like their like multi-platinum selling album. Like one of their biggest albums. Brian Jeez, Smith, I didn't know that. Front cover. I didn't know that. Like nuts. Like the guy has done so much is insane. Yeah, we definitely need him on. I, that's one where like we wanted to focus on having him on in person. Um, and that's why we focus on him like for the Blading Cup times, like those types. And he was at Blading Cup last year too, or the last like two years, I think, also. But it's like an in and out type of thing, got other shit to do. So I don't know. We'll get him on one day. You mean you mean the spring blading cup? A spring well, well, he was I didn't go to spring cups. He was at the one, the regular blading cup before okay. that. And he might have been on the blading at the blading cup before that as well. I don't remember, but he was definitely at the last one. Right. I thought you were mm. I thought you were referring to Quadgate 2022. <laughs> have you gotten Montreal to talk about that yet? If I was really mean, I'd ask you what you think about that. You could ask me what I think about that. I don't care. What did, what did you think about the whole situation <laughs> about, about Montreal entering in the first place and then not being allowed to win? So I think it. I feel like Montre had every right to, I mean, it's not my contest or so whatever. I'm just gonna speak my opinion, but I feel like he, as like, as far as like a general open contest, if Montre paid to skate to compete, he deserves to win just like anybody else. Whether stipulation should have been set in the beginning where like, Hey, Montre, I know you're, I see your name on the list to enter. Just like, we'll let you, if you want to compete, we'll let you skate for free. You just can't win or so like some stipulation should have been made beforehand beside before they obviously knew Montre was going to come in and just fuck shit up. Definitely. Yeah. That, that, that's why I think about it. I think sure. Montre deserved every right to win. I understand why they wouldn't want him to win because it does yeah. seem a little unfair. I, I see both sides where I just feel like the overall situation could have been handled better. And it's kind of good that it happened because that was bound to happen anyway, the way that every skating event has a quad event at it now. And people are trans transitioning over from, rollerblades to quads so that was bound to happen regardless um it's just crazy that it happened to happen at like one of the biggest events with one of the biggest skaters yeah yeah like there's there's i don't think there's any debate that montre deserved to win in fact it's kind of uncomfortable watching the finals when you see what he's doing in comparison to what everyone i didn't else. even see like too much of it basically he's grinding the rail and doing like 450 off like it's i nothing. can imagine that and then <laughs> The girls are kind of struggling to even get halfway along the rail and he's like misty flipping off the stairs and they're like struggling to 180 it there's no yeah. but then you kind of think montre would never be allowed to compete against a predominantly female field in an aggressive competition so he should never have been allowed to compete against it doesn't matter if there's also guys competing in the quad event it's it's mainly made up of women he should never really have been allowed that opportunity in the first place well that's exactly what it is like some stipulations have been made in the beginning before he was even physically competing in it like yeah when they saw montre's name on the list they should have known like it was Montre. gonna be a massacre yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much so um i just think it could have been handled better that way maybe they just i don't know if it how it was overlooked i don't know what happened in the background who was involved with that but 
now it happened. So we know for the future that if it happens again, stipulations should be made of some sort. I'm curious what like the quad skating community thought about that. If they thought that was fair or not, because he had a lot of fans there too from the quad skating community. He did, and he's right in the fact that he is a quad skater. Like, like yeah, he's, exactly. He's skated quad, but I think another angle to look at it is from if he really cared about the community, couldn't he also have the foresight to step back and see that an aggressive, a, a world-renowned pro-aggressive skater coming into the very first quad event at Blading Cup and just wiping the floor with all the quad skaters is not mm. a good look. Like, it basically, yeah. it basically undermines the whole, like, the whole quad community. I, just, I, I can see that. Like one of our guys can just come and destroy you anytime he wants. He also could just want to be involved just as much as he would be involved in anything else. I mean, does that make it more equal for that him for him to just be part of the competition like anyone else? I, I, I just feel like it felt like having that event at Blading Cup was more like a showcase or more like a welcoming the sport into the event <laughs> rather than it being like a serious professional competition kind of thing, yeah. if it makes yeah. sense. Like, I completely understand it. As opposed okay. to like, if you put Montre up against, I don't know, like the big boys in the, the quad community, like the guys that are, you know, doing 720s and stuff out of quarters and things like that, like the like the, the guys that you'd expect to see in concrete bowls in the 90s on quad yeah. skates, like those yeah. kind of dudes. Like if you're putting them up against them, that's one thing. If you're putting them up against what looked like mainly young women, then it's it becomes a different aesthetic altogether. It, de it definitely does. Um, but... I just, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm sure everyone learned from it and knows how to handle it in the future. And I don't know what, Mon I, I kind of know what Montre, how he felt about it because he posted on yeah. his Instagram. He was, he was definitely upset about it. Um, I, I see both sides of it. I, I see both sides of it. I just, there's also ways that it could have been avoided, which in high, hindsight 2020, you know, you look back on it now and obviously I'm sure they, whoever the organizers were for the event said the same thing too. Like, oh, we should have done this differently or whatever to avoid um, the problem for that, but it, it, hopefully it just doesn't happen again. That's all. <laughs> if that happens again, then we have a serious problem. Yeah. That was a very diplomatic response. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, I did ask Montre if he wanted to come on and talk about it. And he politely told me to go fuck myself. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. He didn't tell me to go fuck myself, but he did, he, he did basically say no one was quite rude about it. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't blame him for that. That's fair enough. That's hilarious. Um, because, yeah, he's he's entitled to be annoyed about it. Right. I have quizzed you for long enough, but I've got some questions from viewers. And these are far tamer than I would have went. So I feel like you've got off light here. <laughs> okay. What do you expect? What, am I like a... Well, see, you're the nice guy. Like, no one's ever getting bad to say about you. I'm curious to know this. Have you ever like have you ever beefed with like another like renowned skater or like another well-known skater? Have you ever had like a fallout? I don't feel like you're one of those I guys. I don't think so. No. I mean, Billy's had I mean, hundreds. Billy's probably lost <laughs> count, but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't got time to fucking beef with anybody and shit. I don't know. If if some reason I don't like somebody, I just don't get involved. I'm not gonna talk shit on somebody. I'm not gonna call somebody out in an event when I see them. I don't give a fuck. I just want to be able to skate and have fun with people. That's it. I like how you went extra New York there when you gave it. I don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> that's, that's how passionate I was about that statement. <laughs> the first question is from Renee Dillon, and they want to know, what's your ideal pizza? 
I've got a follow-up question for this actually, but I, I feel I feel like you're I, feel, a, I feel like you're a margarita kind of guy. I feel like you're like plain and good. Uh, pizza. See, it's like when people come to New York, and like which has, funnily enough, happened enough. Like where people have be like, oh, I'm visiting New York. What pizzeria should I visit? Like I'm like the pizza tour guy now. That would have been my but, question. I'm like, where's the best place to get like a 99 cent slice? Is it even possible to get a 99 cent slice? Yeah, they still got dollar slices still. Yeah, they still got dollar slices, which. They're not the worst too for 99 cents, but, um, there's just so like, there's so many different kinds of pizza that like, I have so many favorite pizzerias, but they're all different. Like I go to this place cause it has the regular, the good regular slice. I go to this place cause it has the good square slices. I go to this place cause the, you know, the, the margaritas are really good. Like there's, there's so many different things, but I don't know if I have like a, a favorite pizza or something like that. I do miss though, like the pizza in like Scandinavia is really good, oddly enough. Like, okay. I'm, I had like really good pizza in like, in like Denmark and like Sweden, like really good, like really good, which yeah, I, I missed. In that Denmark, a lot. it probably cost you like $20 a slice. So it would have to be good if it was. If well, it it's like the little personal pies, you know, like the, this is bullshit. the brick oven pies. But like, yeah, like the, the hot salami pies out there, like, are so good. I, 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 if I could like eat a type of pizza right now, it would be one of those pizzas you know not even like a, a new york slice or something i was about to say all the new york guys are going to come up they see this you're let them you're a dead man they they know what it is uh, i I, I had pizza today I, I i had pizza right before coming on this show i had the did. classic you know it was quick easy right around the block you know um but i you know new york pizza is still i would say one of the best but it's there's so many different styles of pizza and different types so it's hard to say what's the best you know it's kind of like skating like who's who has the best style in skating? Oh, you can't say that. Everyone skates differently. Same thing with pizza to me. How you don't have love handles is a complete mystery to me. I, I, I feel <laughs> like, I feel like you must spend like 10 hours a day on that fucking Peloton bike in your bedroom. I, I was on it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> in preparation for the pizza. I've got to do 50K. I've got to do 50K. I got to, I got to work it off. Yeah. Um, oh, I've already kind of asked this. Josh Allen wants to know, what does success for Jump Street podcast look like? Oh, yeah, I guess we did. Uh that's not the same, but um, success for Jump Street Podcast. Success, success. I just, I don't know what success would be as long as we're able to provide some sort of entertainment to the skating community and somehow contribute to the sport and keep people going and keep people motivated to skate. I feel like we did a good job because people comment all the time or message us like, oh, I just listened to the Frankie podcast, you know, uh, I can't wait to go skating now. He got me so hyped. I loved his skating. People have so much feedback, which I don't get why they say it to us. They should say it to the guests, like on the show. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But like people often share memories they've had with guests that we've had on the show and or how much of us, how much they meant to them as a skater, like what they, how they changed their skating mindset or their life or whatever it is. And I love hearing that shit because it makes it feel like we do something good. And it makes the skaters feel like they're doing something good as well. So that feedback is awesome to have. But I feel like as long as just we're somehow contributing and being a part of the community, it's a success to me. I just want to be involved some way or another. Definitely. Plus, I feel like I feel like the skaters do always get their dues. I feel like they do always get people contacting them, being like, love your skating, man, or like, I love yeah. that section, or like, I always watch this. Whereas I don't feel like the people that give them platforms do always get you know the kind of 
the credit they deserve and you go, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't have known that story if this person hadn't have given them the opportunity to tell it to you. So I do feel like it's only right that you guys get in, you know, your just deserves and that people are hyping you up and going, thank you for like letting me find that out about my favorite skater or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool to hear that. I don't know. Like I don't reach out to guests on the show to find out like what messages they've got, but I'm sure, I'm sure they, they do get some feedback and everything. Um, I just wanted to say one thing along those lines too, because I get like, you're talking about like responding to messages, like people like, Hey, I love your skating, whatever. Just like kind of keeping it simple. And somehow I get people who say that to me. I don't know why somehow people say that to me and Behave. like I, I answer people back and I try to answer like every single DM I get every single comment that I get on like my videos and shit. And so I can't tell you how many times people have messaged me and they're like, wow, I can't believe you messaged me back. Most people don't respond. And I'm like, why wouldn't you respond to somebody? Like if somebody's giving you a compliment, you don't just like ignore them or like somebody's asking you a question, like a reasonable question, like yeah. you shouldn't just ignore them. And that's, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know what type of person and what it says about like the type of person you are. Maybe some people just aren't as in tune to social media as others are, but like, I feel like everybody should be res- responding back to fans of theirs who are just letting them know how much they enjoy their skating or asking them a question about like their skates or the way they approach a trick or something like that. I feel like that's like kind of like a dick move not to answer people, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had like, if anyone's ever asked a question or like wanted help, I'm like, yeah, like, or, or if they just, yeah, like you say, if they just get in contact to be nice. Yeah. Say, like, of course, even if you just acknowledge them, like, oh, it takes, it takes two seconds to write thanks. Exactly. Yeah. And that's all you really need. I mean, and sometimes the conversation just ends there. Sometimes people legit just want to be like, yo, that trick was sick, man. Your, your skating is awesome. I love it. I just want to, you know, let you know, shout out from Germany or something like that. And then you're like, yeah. oh, thanks. I appreciate the love, man. Keep doing what you're doing. And then that's it. Like it takes two seconds. I love how you tried to be modest there and be like, oh, I don't know why people like my skating. I've had like <laughs> 10 pro wheels, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> how many pro wheels have you had? I don't know. Not 10, five, seven or something. Uh, was, uh, more. <laughs> right. Last, last question. Where do you sit? Where do you see yourself going with skating? Is there anything left that you want to achieve? That is, that is quite an interesting one. Cause yeah. Is there, is there stuff that you've got like a bucket list that you want to tick off? Like just for you personally? I don't think I have any type of bucket list. I just, especially now more that my skating has expanded to different styles, I guess, or genres of skating is more than just me hitting a, a rail or jumping a gap or something like that. I'm having a lot of fun with that now. And it's kind of like refreshed my, my love for skating and my capability to expand what creative stuff I could do on skates. So like skating, the wizard skates definitely helped me a lot to learn how to like maneuver a little bit skating 80 millimeter wheels in an aggressive setting kind of like made me change the way I skated a little bit. So, and I would have never expected this for me 10 years ago. So I can only wonder 10 years from now, how my skating is going to be then who, who knows what's going to happen. I just, I just want to try as much different shit as possible. And the more crazy my skating gets that I wouldn't have expected, the happier I am with it. Cause I love my skating now more than ever. And that's kind of it. I'm not like, over trying to be like a pro or something like that or a sponsor or something i just want to do the shit i'm doing now have fun skating learn something every time i go out and skate and just have fun that's it 
you're better than pro you're former pro and that's, that's farmer that's, pro for farmer oh, oh, F, oh former F, pro <laughs> f-o-r no F-O-R. my bad the, the accent got to me the accent is, <laughs> you know look at it julio former pro still killing it really former pro absolutely killing it stockwell dear god like every time i see a stockwell clip in a skate park i'm like he hasn't lost anything it's disturbing um how's the how's the flat spin experimentation going that's funny because yesterday i half-assed through one because uh there's a skate park by me called bloomfield that we go to like once a week or something it's like the only place around here that has like a legit launch box and um i was trying to learn back like remember flying fish grabs like i feel like people did them a lot back in the day tim Tim ward Ward. oh my god so good So I feel like people did them a lot back in the day. Once in a while you see them now, but I just kind of wanted to like relearn them again. So I was throwing flying fish 360s and I got kind of tired at the end of the night. And I just like wanted to throw a flat spin and like half-assed do like a 540 flat spin on the box. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to get hurt now. I'm going to call it quits. But next time I go back, I'm definitely going to start throwing more flat spins. I was meaning on a vert ramp because I'd so I'd seen- Oh, a vert ramp? I'd seen you hucking them on a vert ramp not that long ago. Or was it like- a- was a it a vert ramp? ramp or was it a mini ramp? It may have just oh, been- oh, oh, I was doing, I was just learning like 540s and stuff on, on a, it, it, it was, are you talking about the indoor one? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that's at substance. It's like an eight foot vert ramp. It's really weird. It's, it's an eight foot ramp. So it's not a vert, but it inverts just like a vert ramp. So you can air it like a vert ramp, but it's just not as tall. So okay. I was like using that to like learn how to do spins and, get the little bitch out and go above coping. Cause that's the scariest part about it. Obviously, if that was like one of the one aspects of skating, I could learn it would be vert. Like I I'm so, I kick myself every time thinking about when I went to Japan and I stayed with Takeshi and Eito Yasutoko for like a week and wasn't once like, can you give me a lesson on this thing? Like, I, I, I can't believe that I let that opportunity slip, but at that time I didn't give a shit. I, I was fucking so young i didn't care about vert or anything but now looking back on it i appreciate vert skaters i appreciate their skatings especially and i would love to be able to hit a vert ramp and just get like nice air or like 540 or something you know like watching all those little kids train on it like kids that are like 10 years old being able to flat spin a vert ramp like that shit's crazy i would love to do that so the fact they can still do that is just and uh, that level is wild was yeah. that when you stayed in japan was that for the the able tour yeah it um was it just able i think it was just the able tour yeah that was like i think it was 2008 was alex brosco there mm, no he was on a different he was in a trip to like japan like a few months before us i think right so i think jayro was on the same trip with us and jayro was just talking about on that trip how he was just in japan with alex and I don't know, KFC, other KFC guys or something. Okay. I've always wanted, because there's a clip of Alex and it looks like he's drunk in a shopping center. <laughs> no way. And I'm like, is this genuine? Like he's he's kind of like stumbling about and just being a bit uncoordinated and a bit, he seems a bit out of it. And He's probably goofing around. I'm sure he wasn't like, actually drunk. Was this maybe like the one and only time Alex was drunk and he went, that's it. That's enough for me. That was humiliating. <laughs> I would be very shocked if he was actually drunk then. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought so too, but I just, I just, he goofs, ar- he goofs around a lot. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there for that. I can't speak on that. Right. Um, I've quizzed you for over almost two and a half hours. I think I've taken up more than enough of your Thursday. It's Wednesday. 
it's not it's Thursday. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, that's, that's how hard <laughs> you're losing it over there. <laughs> I'm losing it. I've also noticed my eyes are incredibly small, which must be from the amount of times that they've watered throughout the week. Um, <laughs> you feeling good now, though? Like I think I'm coming out the other end of it. But yeah, have you ever had coronavirus? I, yeah, I got it like two months ago or something like that. And yeah. I know everyone has it differently. I, it was just like a fever for me for like two days, and that was it. Yeah, I've sweated a lot. Definitely sweated a lot. Yeah. Good little workout for you. Feels like just <laughs> having like yeah a weird a weird flu, but yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, the next time I see you will be at Winter Clash. I'm, there's no chance I'm going to be able to round up enough money to make Blade and Cup this year. Yeah, um, I will most likely be at Winter Clash too. I was just talking about that today. So, okay, then this time I can be like, "Hey, Austin, how you doing?" And he'd be like, oh, "David, how you doing? It's nice to see you." I'm going to be you. a dick and do the same thing again that I did last time. <laughs> Just walk past me and all the guys are like, I thought, I thought you two were cool. I thought we were cool too. I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm going to do the same shit I did last time, Dave. <laughs> I was fucking around. I did that shit on purpose. <laughs> That's what Mike told me. Mike was like, Austin's just an arsehole to everyone. Just get used to it. And I was like, oh, shit. Mike who? Torres. Oh, yeah, he, he would say that. He didn't say that. I completely uh, made that I, I, Sorry, I, Mike. I, I, I apologize. I 100%, I 100% believed you there. Actually, Mike screwed me over. Mike screwed me over and went on Jump Street before when he said he was going to go on platform like six months before. So really, fuck you, Mike. I'm not. I'm not. I, I, don't take it back. I'm making fun of you. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> yeah, he 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 did. He was honourable about it. He messaged me to give me a heads up and be like, um, "The guys have asked me to go on, and I'm going." To, and I was like, "That's cool. That's fine. You were you were a gentleman about it. That's okay." At least but, it came out about it like that. But it was his idea to come on platform, so you know he. You know, Mike, you know what you did. Uh, <laughs> he can still go on your show. Why hasn't he? He can't. He's, he's tainted. I don't want sloppy seconds, right? <laughs> you got you need a buffer in between. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he can go on. You can go on Jan's first. Actually, you can go on but you can go on back to Bladen first and then he can, they can come <laughs> I, I know how strongly he feels about back to Bladen, so that can be a, that can be his his punishment. <laughs> Um, but this was awesome it was great to talk to you and yeah hopefully see you soon yeah definitely and like I said uh, I didn't have to say this before but like I've told you before in the past like I've been a huge fan of your work like since that BMAG article that you did however many years ago that was like your writing was unlike anyone else's that I've seen in skating and you did an awesome job and I even reached out to you years ago like let's somehow do something together before Jump Street was a thing um but yeah, it's an honor being on the podcast too. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. Awesome. Well, speak soon. And now I'm going to have to go and look through the old blade shades and see what I actually made fun of you for because I can't believe I can't remember it off the top of my head. Shoot me a message about that. We'll do. We'll put like a. We'll do audio through Instagram chat, and you can put that dubbed in underneath. It's definitely in your Instagram DMs. I'm sure if you scroll oh, yeah, up, you'll you'll just see what I was poking fun at you about. But yeah, yeah I definitely. can't remember. I, I definitely drank a lot of red wine that night. I know that. I meant, <laughs> I, I see, didn't... I didn't know that. So, <laughs> right. Speak soon. All right. Take it easy. Have a good night. Bye. Later.